Welcome to Bevington Banter, the show where we can sound like we're arguing even when we all agree. I'm Cassidy, and together with my brother Cade and dad Randy, each week we discuss a selection of news stories, topics surrounding the culture, and matters of freedom and faith. Thanks for listening. Follow and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Share it, and if you like what you hear, rate it five stars on Apple and Spotify. Well, we'll see if we remember how to do this. It's been some time, but that's what happens when I'm sure everyone understands we don't get anything for this. And so uh, sometimes when we're traveling or whatnot or someone loses their voice, we just decide, you know what, it's all right. Well, even all the big time hosts are taking their vacation periods these days. It's true. So, and in the summer, it is a tradi- around 4th of July, a lot of people go off. Yeah. Crowder's off for the whole month. Yeah, he always does that. The, a lot of times they do a lot of work in their studio and stuff, I think, in July. But he's, isn't he touring with a, doing a comedy tour? Yeah, I don't know if that's why he's off or not. Yeah, but yeah he's know. been doing that. But I think, I think it's a traditional thing for him where they, he yeah. takes this month off. Yeah. But man, I'm kind of chomping at the bit to get back to it. There's been a whole lot go on. And unfortunately, Kate is not with us. He is on vacation. But last week, he was, I guess, in a mad dash to get ready for vacation. And Cassidy had no voice. Yep. So. And the week before that, I was not around to. I mean, you guys have recorded without me before, but I always still edit and post. And uh, that. Yeah, you weren't even so available to do that. I was not available. Yep. So. so, but hey, so if we talk about a couple, some things that are a little older, then that also might happen. But what do you got? What do you want to start with? Uh, Joe Biden has ca- has cancer. <laughs> no, it's okay. He replaced it with COVID. You know what was so funny about that? And I agree that uh, everybody that heard it just knew it wasn't true and just knew that he was being his, you know, mentally disabled right. and, and, and pathological liar self. I don't I don't know that he was purposely trying to say he had cancer. I think he just accidentally he almost, was trying to if say you that listen people to it, got cancer. There's a little hiccup right before he says cancer and he's trying to think about what what to say he has <laughs> because I heard somebody play that exact same story, almost word for word from a couple of years ago, only then he and 80% of his classmates yes. have asthma. I heard, I actually I did hear someone play both those clips. So, but what's so strange is everybody knows now. Everybody knows when he says something like that, it's just like, eh, it's just Joe. It's not, it's, he doesn't really have cancer. That's an amazing thing for the presence of the United States to say that and everybody just go, eh. Okay. So speaking of Joe Biden gaffes, I learned today that, you know, the place, the intersection in which he fell off of his bike. Yes. And like the beach city in Delaware. Well, Google Maps, somebody got it turned into a historical site called Brandon Falls. And a bunch of people were able to get on there before Google has gotten rid of it. And they keep as people continue to do it, they keep getting rid of it. And people put started putting Google reviews of Brandon Falls and saying like just hilarious stuff, just Oh my gosh, they did not, they had no mercy. And then people are now going, and there's a bike shop now there in Brand, called Brandon Falls, and they put a sign up that says, that is like a let's go Brandon sign in front of their um, store. And then people are going to Delaware, going to this intersection, and like taking pictures of themselves, like either laying on the ground or like falling off a bike, and they're all posting it. It's a thing now, and it's hysterical. I, I saw the Brandon Falls thing on Google Maps that somebody had, had designated that. And so when you searched it, it popped up with a little, you know, little indicator yeah. there. I, I hadn't seen that people started reviewing, you know, their yes. experience with Brandon Falls. That's that's pretty funny. And I did pretty see funny. a lot of the photos are like, I remember when it made me think of when everybody was T-bowing. They take oh, a picture yeah. of themselves T-bowing. Right. Yeah, now yeah. everybody's laying on the pavement with a ba- bike beside of them. Right. Yeah. I like some of them. There's a picture of just a guy. He had no bike. He was just laying in the intersection. And there's people riding their bikes behind him. Like, so I wonder how many of those people are like, what the heck is going on? There's just like people on vacation riding their bikes. <laughs> they should have had somebody, some people come in and oh. act like Secret Service people picking you up. And there's a there's an app called Strava, which is used by people. It's like a tracking app for like running and biking and stuff and so you can put you can like save 
routes in there so that say I'm like going out of town I could use Strava to like look up with the people locally what routes they run if I want to find a route to run and so people now also have gotten it saved as a ride that portion that he rode there and it's called Brandon Falls and that's the route you can ride you can follow it on Strava well I bet it's not a very long route no I don't think so it was just long enough for the photo it didn't look very long it was just like a little line no it's just long enough for the photo op Joe Biden's not out riding his bike for five miles uh, they should introduce that. You know, mom has this her interactive bike. You know, oh yeah, they well, should make that pick, one like, of the I rides. Ride through, you can ride through like different parts of the world. Ride through Brandon Falls. They should make that one of the rides, and then designate. Watch out! There's a there's a tricky spot right here. You might fall yeah. off your bike. Don't slow up. You might get your foot caught in your. Uh... Oh man! Since we're on the Joe Biden, Joe Biden, and I want to lead into another area with this. Joe Biden has COVID. He's double vaxxed, double boosted, and he has COVID. What has gone on with this is so heinous, but what to me strikes me more, I I expect the utter corruption and evil of the establishment class and all of that. But what's so frustrating is that there's nobody supposedly on our side that has, you know, other than who, Rand Paul, a few of these people that are just attacking these people with how corrupt and lying and duplicitous and evil all of this has been. I saw a study a couple day before yesterday where for people that are vaccinated over the age of 80 degrees, 80, 80 degrees, 80, <laughs> 80 years old, those above 80 years old vaccinated are more likely to get COVID and, and suffer, you know, serious problems from it than unvaccinated people over 80 now. They are now showing, um, and um, it was a study out of Sweden, and I heard Dr. Robert McCullough, Peter McCullough, um, commenting on this, that they've now shown that, yes, in fact, the uh, mRNA is getting into the DNA. It can get into DNA. It can have, you know, deleterious effects. You know, we were told that, um, you know, it didn't affect a woman's menstrual cycle. Now we're saying, oh, yes, it does. I mean, it's on and on. In fact, if you follow the uh, rates of adverse effects, uh, effects that, have, that they've been noticing in Europe in a population of the United States that would translate into like 100,000 adverse effects. Um, eight and nine months down the road, there's no benefit to having it. I mean, it's, just, it's on and on and on. I could go on and on. Not to mention the study that just came out where they isolated what I saw were four different really what could be really harmful bacterias that are growing on the inside of people's masks as they wear them around. Um, and nobody... How do we let them just go on? Why are they being? Where's where is where are the people in power pushing back against this stuff, and and calling people to be held accountable? Yeah, I don't know. And and it's like, why are they not updating people on information? So Cole posted something on Facebook the other day that was like a well-researched. And he said, this is a well-respected and researched early treatment protocol for COVID. And, and then in the comments, essentially um, talking about treatment and things. And he said that uh, that it's no, um, that like these days, since we know more information and since it's changed and all this stuff, he talked about individuals these days being best served with a vitamin regimen since COVID is no more severe than the common cold. And then a friend of ours from California um kind of started going back and forth with him about that him comparing it to the common cold and he was but he was citing all this data and um, all the data he was referring to was like old articles from two years ago and so and when Cole was asking and essentially and, and Cole was like yeah I agree that at the beginning you know when we didn't know things and it looked more severe and all this stuff but it has changed and it's very different now I mean for goodness sakes Joe if Joe Biden can get it and they say he's hardly showing symptoms it can't be the super severe thing anymore uh and so just like that people are their data they're still looking at old data right this this new variant this BA5 um is they were having the, the numbers were um 
you're going way back up again, but the hospitalizations and you know serious illness and certainly deaths were nowhere anywhere close to tracking upwards the way that they had in the past. So it did not have near the negative effects that previous strains, you know, variants of it have had. I mean, your aunt just had it again. She's just coming at the tail end of it. This is the second time oh, yeah. she's had it. She's immunocompromised. Um, she was, she had a cold. Um, so it's not, so I, it really bothers me. I had to go in and um, get blood work done um, here recently it just so bothers me to see my doctor's office still making people wear a mask. It's like, don't, don't you stay up on what's going on? Don't you read studies? And I don't know that they, I don't know that they do. No, I don't know. Unless it pertains to their particular field of work. Yeah, but they're just family practitioners. So that should be oh, right yeah. up there. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so it should be. <laughs> That should be like number one on their list of what they want to stay current on these days. Yeah. I don't know. I don't have a ton to say about COVID, to be honest, because it doesn't really affect me. We've had some people here get it, but it's not. No, to me, to to me, it's more about the reaction to it and where's the accountability for what we've been being told. And, you know, you go along with the big pharma and all this kind of stuff. I was listening. uh, Matt Walsh was um, referencing a study that has come out now with all the psychotropic drugs for depression and stuff, saying that Mm -hmm. uh, research showing the cause that all this has been based on for, you know, decrease in serotonin and all these things that they've they've not. After like a multi-decade study, they haven't proven that that's the case at all, that that's not right. what's causing depression. And there is no, and yet they've been prescribing all these medications for years. I've always thought it was strange when they advertise these things. They always say, you know, if you have suicidal thoughts, I'm like, well, I had suicidal thoughts. I thought that's why you put me on this stuff, you know, not me personally, <laughs> but it's like. Right, but as, as a symptom. Yeah, why? Yeah. I don't I don't get the help here. So anyways, yeah, it just. They are just destroying our trust in everything, and that's not good. That is not good when we cannot trust people that are supposed to be uh, informing us of, you know, as a society of, of what direction we should be going. Well, another big thing that's happened, or a, a story that we had a listener ask that we would talk about. <laughs> Uh, since we've been gone was over the shooting in the Indiana Mall in which three people were killed before a 22-year-old armed citizen um, pulled out his gun and fired at the, or killed the gunman and then stood over the body uh, while the police arrived. And, you know, rightly so, the police, people are calling him Good Samaritan, a hero. But then, of course, people came out on the other side uh, and he was carrying a gun. He didn't have a permit, but uh, Indiana passed constitutional carry, so he was legally carrying. And specifically, uh, they sent an article uh, that Corinne sent an article about the shooting where someone on the other side who doesn't think that you know good people with guns are the answer and all this stuff comes out, and she wanted my take on it. And one of the things in the article is citing like the amount of the frequency with which armed gun uh, active shooter incidents are stopped by so he said an examination of 433 active shooter attacks in the united states between 2000 and 2021 showed that only 22 ended with a bystander shooting an attacker an attacker and according to data from the advanced law enforcement rapid response training center at texas state university that's a mouthful in 10 of those cases the armed bystander was a security guard or off-duty law enforcement officer so basically they're saying this is rarely like it's so rare that this actually happens my biggest issue with responding to this though um and offering like a well-thought-out response is that i don't know how their data is categorized what do they consider an active shooter incident does someone have to have died for it to have been? Because if they're stopped by someone, a lot of times maybe someone doesn't die. Or um, another thing where it was taking place in no gun zones, no carry zones, right? Places where you can't carry. And so without knowledge about what how that data was collected, I can't really speak to I, that. I heard somebody go over this study, and I don't – it's been a while ago because they were – this came up. Um, and, I, and they referenced this specific study, this number of 22 incidences where, you know, somebody with a gun stopped – this active shooter. Well, one, we know that that's 
depending on how you categorize it, the categorization of these areas of how they measured it were greatly manipulated to come up with this low number. Like you said, if you're in a no-carry zone, nobody's got a gun. Um, but not just that, just the number of an active shooter does not mean a mass shooter. An yeah. active shooter, somebody's got a gun, a person. And they, so the number of self-defense, self-defense is not, you know, instances of a, a criminal with a gun being taken out by somebody with a concealed carry and having their gun is not, is not a part of this. That is, that's happening all the time. I mean, hundreds of right. thousands of incidences a year of that that's occurring. I get them on a, a feed I get from a guy whose name I'm not going to mention on Telegram. I mean, every day I get videos of somebody, you know, stopping somebody with a gun and with a concealed carry that he's he's posting because he's obviously a very big advocate. Or the one in the bodega in New York uh, that the worker or the owner or with whatever was shot. Yeah. Like it doesn't so that was a life threatening. He may not they may not have gun. Sometimes the attacker might not have a gun, but has a weapon that is uh inflicting like potential well, uh, the potential to kill, right? right. Well I would or some kind of weapon I and would, you can still even using those numbers which are not again the the categorization to get those numbers is really manipulated. But so okay, twenty-two instances. So this is an active shooter. Let's say, you, and you're they're they're thinking in terms of these mass shootings. Let's say this this active mass shooter. Let's say he killed each one of those situations. He was able to kill ten people before he stopped. Oh, so you're okay with two hundred and twenty people dying? Right. Because there weren't twenty-two good guys with guns there. That's okay. Right. I mean, I don't I don't get that. Where's this? Where's this? We heard all the time during COVID. If it saves one life. We will shut down the whole world and you will lose your job and you will not be able to get an organ transplant and you will not be able to visit your family in the hospital or, at the, or have a funeral for them. If we do this, it'll and to save one life. But I can't practice my Second Amendment right to carry a gun to save one life. You're okay with 220? Also, the author of this article referenced that right to carry the in the in the indiana's constitutional carry and he called they've passed so-called constitutional carry and i just thought oh let's show us your bias why don't you so-called uh, another point that the author of this article made was that uh, talking about active shooter situations can be chaotic and um, relying on the intervention of armed bystanders who can sometimes get in the way of an effective law enforcement response, making it difficult for police officers to differentiate between an assailant and a well-intentioned armed c- a civilian. And he cited um, well, a quote from someone he was interviewing said, you have to make a split-second decision um, when you know the police officers get there. He cites a case that in Colorado in June 2021, when a bystander named Johnny Hurley was shot and killed by a police officer after Hurley used his handgun to shoot another man who had killed the police officer. So a citizen killed the man who killed the police officer, and then another police officer on the scene was confused about what was happening and killed the, the citizen. And then another one in November 2018, when a Chicago security guard had detained a gunman outside of a bar where he worked, and he was pointing he was pointing the gun at the man's back, which is a bad. He should have just had him turned around. And anyway, and then the security guard was shot and killed by a responding officer who was holding the gunman at gunpoint. And so I I would suppose my. Uh, Oh, there's another there's another one here too but um that i guess like a bystander shot by a good Samaritan was hit so that's so what you're saying is that's bad policing yeah i'm saying that's an issue probably with the police maybe we need to train the police better to understand what the situations are and i don't know this that's in the first scenario i have not heard that i don't know the details of it but just the way that you're reading it makes me think that individual should not have been engaging if the cops were there, they should right. Not if there are cops there, the yeah, that's true. That's somewhere true. you know. That's you got to use your head on that. Yes, and the second one, the, if the man's a security guard, how was he uniformed? I mean, he. Sh- I, 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 that's what I don't know. If he's uniformed, then that is a bad policing. Yes. 
Uh, if he's not uniformed and he's pointing the gun at the man's back, that's probably just a bad call on his part. Um, I probably would have had him detained in another way and holding him at gunpoint where you're, everything is visible. You know, I just, yeah. The, I've also heard people arguing, saying, if I have to depend on a 22-year-old kid to protect me, blah, blah, you know, that that's, that that's <laughs> silly that, that we are going to think it's a good thing that, say, a 21, 22, 23-year-old young person is carrying a gun, and, and that's good for us as a, as a society. Do they know how many 22-year-olds come on to police forces at age 21, 22, 23? Valid. That's exactly who you want to show, a 22-year-old cop to show up and protect you, but this guy can't. You get how many 18- and 19-year-old yep. kids are in the, are in the yep, uh, soldiers and Marines? Yep. So that's a just ridiculous. Depending on them for a lot more than yeah, for protecting our entire country. I, I, I bet another, you'd be staggered if you found out how many 17-year-olds died in World War II. 17. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's a huge number. Um, they also talk about, he also talks about in here how, you know, more people with gun, civilians with guns, are likely to escalate situations in which maybe, like, you don't know, you can't read the shooter or the the criminal's mind the person who's the active shooter or whatever your situation is um and this is totally in now and so the argument here is that now you don't need training anymore like you don't have to go through any kind of course or training to carry and so these people could go into these situations and they could end up escalating things whereas when i went through concealed carry course one thing we talked about is you know using your judgment when you're in a situation and someone comes in and they're you know holding up the convenience store or something the odds are they're not going to shoot anybody. So I'm not going to pull my gun out. I'm just going to let it happen because I don't want to escalate situations. They can take money and go away, you know, whatever. Um, and so that is, I think there's some validity in that argument, certainly, that someone with a, a bystander with a gun trying to be a good Samaritan could end up escalating a situation in which shots are fired where they wouldn't have been. I agree. I I. I think there's a legitimate concern for people that have the cowboy attitude. Um, there are certainly those people out there. So I'll just say this. Don't be a cowboy. You are not law enforcement. When you have a concealed carry, you are not law enforcement. And just as you described, if it's going down and it looks like they're just going to take the money and leave, you let them go. It's only when they become a threat to personal safety to yourself or your family or people, you know, um, that you are going to act, but you don't do it um, in some form of law enforcement. I mean, I would even say on your own property, if you see on your ring camera that somebody is stealing your kid's bike, um, if that's all they're doing, probably let them have the bike. There's no reason to get into a gunfight over a bicycle. Um, but I'm going to protect my family, you know, um, probably not going to let you, don't know if I'll let you, well, steal my car. Oh, well, maybe have to check the, I'll have to check the blue book on it. <laughs> so Did your you insurance know, cover that? Yeah. What's your policy? You just have to, uh, you just have to, you have to, like you said, you have to use your brain and be smart about it, but you're not, just remember you are not law enforcement. Yep. So we met with um, our financial planner here uh, this yes. week, and I was so frustrated. And I've talked to a couple of different ones because I, I, I looked at making kind of a change. Um, and there's, there's no, these guys are locked in. These folks that do this, it seems like they're really locked in from what they're telling me. They cannot get away from these big asset managers and the ESG that goes along with it. They can only, they're only licensed or approved or how we're trained or whatever to invest in certain products, certain funds. And they're all, you know, these companies that are dealing with ESG stuff. Um, can you, you could probably do a much better job than me, but just for a reminder, can you lay out real quickly ESG? What is it actually? Economic, um, social, economic. and governance. Okay. The ESG is basically a 
something they can use to, based on your basically beliefs and political opinions, decide what your your ESG, your social score is. And if you don't have the right ideas or do the right things or put money in the right places or whatever it is, right, they can bar you from interacting in or society and um, trading, commerce, you name it. If so, for example, you have the wrong opinions about election security or COVID and you don't want the vaccine. Oh, right. we can see that it's, you have bad ESG score. Right. Economic, the uh, environmental would be like, you know, you, you drive a diesel truck. Right. Uh, right. You you're, you don't your, drive a hot, or an electric the square vehicle. footage of your house. You use too much electricity based on that. You know right. that kind of thing. Um, the social you don't use the right pronouns. Uh, <laughs> you won't let them trans your kid. Yeah. Uh, you know the governance. You know you call into you a, you, policy. In <laughs> yeah, you believe in freedom. You call it into question of policy. So, anyways, they've invested on this, and this is killing. This is one of the big factors in the gas and oil prices, because. These oil companies have to get um, funding, right. right? They have to get funding to to develop these massive projects. They need money to do that. Well, they take the money that you know in your four hundred one k and four hundred three b and all that, and they take your money and they invest it into these projects. And they make then then Mobile Exxon gets a profit and you benefit from it. They will not in, take your money and invest it into these companies that do not do what they want them to do. So they can't get funding. To go out and get more gas, to build more refine, you know, refinery or transport or drill or whatever, so it's causing that's critical. But what's what I want to get to in all this is that um, BlackRock has shown a 22% loss or decrease in their value since involving in all of this this ESG nonsense because that's they hold companies captive if you do not meet the esg score that we want you to have we're not going to invest money in you and these companies are desperate to get this investment money so that they can develop projects but it's hurting blackrock so i don't know if they'll finally wake up and turn around or or what but it's not working for them esg is the total virtually 100 percent reason sri lanka collapsed yeah, if you don't know what's going on, there's an actual coup happening in Sri Lanka. Yeah, where they had, it was great sending out pictures of people sleeping in the king's or president or whatever they have his bed, swimming in his pool. It was, it was people just lounging around his bedroom. It was pretty funny. But yeah, they just, they're starving. And, and they, it's because they went totally green. And uh, all of this, you know, stuff, and it doesn't work. No fertilizer, no petroleum. It, it's all. And your your great model for socialism, who even they say that they aren't, you know, those Scandinavian countries that are like we're not socialists. They're like a hybrid, right? But even one of them now in the Netherlands, the Dutch farmers revolted um, because basically they were being told because they weren't if they didn't farm correctly like in the environment economically whatever they were being told they had to follow all these economic or not economic um uh environmental regulations but it was basically they were like well we we can't do this it's it we aren't able to farm our land we aren't able to produce food uh make money for ourselves feed our family and also the entire population um and they all but they all you know got their, brought their tractors out and yeah, that's ESG because they don't want them to use certain fertilizers. They don't want them to be burning all this diesel. Um, and here's – let me lay it out really simply like this, and this is just going to be just for illustration purposes. But I've been – you know, grew up in farmland. Uh, I've smelled anhydrous, which they don't want. They don't want them to use anhydrous. Um, I've smelled anhydrous all my life <laughs> around here. Um a farmer goes out and he's going to plant a hundred acres of beans and it cost him a certain amount of dollars to buy the seed bean to plant that hundred acres. That cost is the same and the diesel and all that, that it takes to, to, to plant it. That cost is the same regardless of how much it produces. It has to produce a certain yield, a certain number of bushel per acre in order to make it economically feasible for them to make a profit on that effort 
Anhydrous, for example, greatly increases your yield of so many bushel of beans per acre. You take out the anhydrous or other fertilizers and you fall, you, you produce half of the yield, half of the bushel per acre. And that is not enough to meet your cost to plant that crop. You can't do it. And the farmers are saying we can't do this. We're losing money because we can't fertilize and increase our yield. Does that make sense? Yeah. I wasn't uh, confused, but Well, I mean, not everybody <laughs> not everybody's farmers, so Uh yeah. So perhaps the ESG model is uh, collapsing. I hope so. Let's, Even um, we can hope. China, I saw they're deploying tanks to I keep did not see to this. keep it literally uh, to keep people from runs on banks and stuff so it's actually Tiananmen Square well it had that look to it <laughs> I'm surprised that the Chinese economy is struggling as much as it is when like virtually we're pushing all this green stuff here and all of our green technology is made in China I mean almost virtually all almost our everything all of it. is made in China I know I know <laughs> So what is that? That they keep all the money for themselves? I, I don't know. I know that they tried to do a bunch of managed population, getting people to move certain places and live certain places. And they built a lot of literally cities that nobody purchased and moved into the homes on them and stuff. And I guess I've, I've heard reports that they've actually bulldozed some of these cities that they spent millions and yeah. billions of dollars to build. So speaking of China, we're just talking about, you know, people in our society, like they don't, nobody will call out China. And we've talked about it a lot of times in sports. We talk about Nike, we talk about the NBA and all this stuff. So Charles Barkley, now we've mentioned before the Live Golf Tour, the Saudi Arabian thing, and how a lot of guys moving over there were getting criticized because it's like blood money and all this stuff, right? So now the like manager or whatever of the Live Tour is met with Charles Barkley and it looks it's like Charles is going to play in an event and it's likely that he's going to be involved in some way shape or form uh whether that's broadcasting or kind of hybrid like playing well might like mic'd up and being around the other players and things but he's so Charles Barkley is going to be involved in this somehow and this could help them get actual tv deals like legitimate tv deals right but I did like in this interview that um, Charles did with someone from the New York Post is that he finally just tells it like it is because <laughs> the quote, there's some quotes in here that Barkley said, I told um, Norman, that's the the guy that he met with, I told him, listen, they're making up words like blood money and sports washing. I said, we we have all taken blood money and we all have sports washed something. So I don't like those words, to be honest with you. He said, um, Charles Barkley said, if you are in pro sports, you are taking some type of money from not a great cause. And then later he talked about uh, the guy brought up China and the NBA and Charles Barkley, which he broadcast for the NBA, right? And um, on TNT. And he said, now that's semantics. Charles Barkley said this, and this is like, I'm like, oh, man, somebody just say it like it is. At least he's not hiding it. He says, I'm a Nike guy also, or I'm a Nike guy also, so I'm not going to do that thing where I pick and choose what I'm outraged about, where my money comes from. I just don't think that is fair, and I think that makes you a hypocrite. And let's be fair, all these golf tours have played in Saudi Arabia and China. That's my point. So at least he's not hiding it. He's finally just like, look, I'm a Nike guy, and... Who cares? They're all taking, we're all taking blood money of some sort. I understand his point and I don't disagree with him. And there's, there's definitely, you know, some things to be learned by it, but that doesn't mean it's good. Right. I'm not saying that, but because let's, at least he's and just, I, I'm going to start this <clears throat> when Joe Biden stops going to Saudi Arabia and fist bumping them and begging for oil to help him out then if he's going if he's good now look he said he was going to make this what's his uh sbm or sm uh, uh, i don't know but that's saudi Saudi, whatever they um i guess crown prince yeah mbs mohammed bin salam yes yes that's it whatever um salami let's call him that so um 
he said he was going to make him a pariah because he right. killed this Khashoggi. Kipshoggi. Yeah, okay. So, uh, but, journalist. And then, but then he turns around and he goes over there and he fist bumps and he well, begs for oil. So That was hilarious that the whole thing was like, you, do you shake his hand? Oh, we can't, like, don't shake his hand because you've said this about him and you have to be firm. So he goes over to see him and then ends up fist bumping him, which looks more, more friendly, friendly. Yeah. Than, than the yeah. handshake. So if, if we're not going to get if the president of the United States isn't going to hold the line based on what he said, then why would you expect anybody else to? You're just giving the you're giving the NBA and right, all these and, people permission, to, right? Yeah. And the Live Tour permission to go do to do this. That doesn't mean I think we should, but this starts at the top. But I will and say you this. Also added here how Biden, uh, in addition to like right begging the Saudis going over there and asking for this, he also shipped. You you put in the notes five million barrels of oil from our strategic oil reserves to India and China and other places. Right. Almost a million barrels to China, which and they're increasing their strategic oil reserve, and we're depleting ours. When he said he was going to release a million barrels a day for six months, that's a hundred and eighty million barrels of oil. That is a huge dent in our strategic oil reserve. We're, and we're already lower than we've been in decades. Which are for military purposes. Exactly. The reason we have those is like if we went to war and we needed it, that's what it's for. So And the now, company that yeah. they sold it to in China is one that the Bidens are involved in. Hunter Biden has investment in the company that they sold the million barrels of oil to. It's insane. Again, where are the people calling accountability on this stuff where's again there are you know that's why you can't talk democrat and republican um i will say this if charles barkley plays and commentates it's like he's mic'd up in a yeah. live event the pga might, might as well just oh. fold oh oh yeah people are gonna watch that yep yeah pga that's might as well just fold Making a deal with Charles Barkley is actually going to make them a legit, like a legitimate competitor. Because even if the golfers aren't as good, right? I mean, his golf is horrific. Yes, um, but he one watching it's a him gimmick. watching him swing it, is funny, and then listening to him commentate would be even. If it's going to be a gimmicky golf tour, then yeah, he's exactly the guy that you want. <laughs> yeah. I'm just picturing it in my head. Hey, I, I thought this was great. Um, we commented back on March 25th podcast entitled um, Tucks and Zuckerbucks. <laughs> if you want to go back and listen, there was uh, in Wisconsin was one of these states where they had a lot of uh, the ballot harvesting and, you know, Dropbox going on. And, and Zuckerberg was heavily involved in shaping how the elections were run with his money coming into the area. Anyways, we, we covered all that. The, Wisconsin had appointed a former state Supreme Court justice to look into everything that had gone on, and he revealed a lot of stuff. As a result of that, Wisconsin has come out and said there will be no drop boxes in the next election. Good. Yeah, I thought that was great. Um, in fact, they in fact they went so far in the headline that I read and said that uh, Wisconsin Supreme Court bans drop boxes suggests Biden's 2020 victory was illegitimate. That's the Supreme Court of Wisconsin. Now, I wouldn't get hopes up that anything more that you know it's gonna do anything more, but that's cool. Well, I mean, I know that Georgia has, you know, they've tightened up some of their their rule their election laws, and of course, you know, people lost their minds over it. And but um, this isn't. I don't know how much of an effect this is going to have on the midterm election because. I mean, a lot of what they are dealing with and looking into is the presidential and that, you know, with the electoral votes being the ultimate way that the president is elected. Um, these midterm elections that are coming up for local uh, congressional districts and senators and things like that. That's a whole different dynamic. So I, I don't you know, I hope that they've tightened up regulations for how that stuff happens. But again, you're looking at in a presidential election in like five, you know, four, five, six key states. Um, a matter of 300, 350,000 votes can change the entire election, and which is exactly what we saw. I mean, right, so. if you do it in the right places. That's yep. all. 
we hadn't we haven't had a chance to comment on this, but I thought it was amazing. Did, did you see the video of where Nancy Pelosi elbows the little girl out of the picture? I didn't. I was just about to ask you what you meant on here by Nancy Pelosi's elbows. Yeah, uh, the my was Myra Flores. I think is her name was the first Democrat elected uh, in her di- or first Republican elected in her district down yes. on the Texas yeah. uh, Mexico border. Oh, she elbowed her daughter. Yeah, her ten year old daughter. She just elbows her man in the picture. They're, they're standing, they're lining up for a picture, and Nancy just literally elbows the girl to move move over, so Nancy can get in a better position to get her picture taken. I mean, it's. I am going to watch this. It, so she's the first Republican in like 150 years to be elected in this. And she's an immigrant. She's a legalized you know, American citizen now, but she is an immigrant. She's from Mexico. And so she gets elected and uh, in this special election, and they go there to Washington to be sworn in, and they're lining up for a picture. And if you're looking at it, it's on your left-hand side of the screen. And Nancy's there, and her daughter, 10-year-old daughter, is just left of her. And Nancy just takes her elbow and moves this girl out of the way so she can get in a better position for the picture. She, I'm having a really hard time actually getting one of these to like, okay, this is going to be, I, she hardly. She uses her elbow to move her out of the way. (laughs) I didn't, I'm not saying she gave her a forearm shiver. I'm just saying she definitely takes her elbow and moves the girl over, moves her. The girl's like, nah, she actually (laughs) kind of puts her arm out on her elbow on her hip, like. It's pretty funny, though. Nan- what a horrible person. All right. I have the tweet. Here we go. This is perfect. I have Myra Flores' tweet of it, and I will link that for people. Um, and then now we turn around and we have uh, Pelosi's husband investing all this money into some company that they knew, you know, which which Congress was awarding a big contract to. Of course, he gets a it's, – it's a – it's like – it's billions of dollars, this contract, government contract. So what's he do? A couple of weeks before this is awarded, boom, he goes out and he spends, invests a bunch of money in it. It's so corrupt. Well, here's something that happened since we have recorded that we never talked about, and that was that's a little lighter. And that was the hot dog eating contest. And Joey Chestnut, the reigning, you know, longtime champion, record holder, was up, of course, back, you know. And he was injured. He's on, like, crutches up there, still crushing it, eating. He didn't break his record. No, he didn't need to. He beat his closest competitor by 17 hot dogs. Right. But he also, he was a little hindered in his eating because mid-contest, some environmental protester that's protesting like the hot dogs how the hot dogs are made or whatever you know goes up on stage and chestnut literally just like chokes him out and keeps eating he's got like hot dogs in his mouth (laughs) hysterical it was it took him like i mean he just puts him in a chokehold and just rips him down and just keeps shoving hot dogs in his mouth it was um, it was (laughs) awesome i think this is the most american thing i've seen in a long time it almost made me want to watch the hot dog eating contest, but I cannot stomach it. It is so disgusting. He his record is seventy six hot dogs in ten minutes, and I think he only this is this was his fifteenth championship. I think he only ate like sixty three hot dogs or something like that. And the next he's still eating one was, a hot dog every ten seconds. I know, I know. In the bun, they dip the, the bun, bun in the in water. Water, yeah. it's so gross. It is. <laughs> it's There's so a, gross. actually a great um, thirty for thirty documentary something about oh, yeah, hungry hungry something or other and they go through the whole train they train for this uh expanding their stomachs and opening up their throats and how to you know the, the water and the bun and him and uh what was the guy's name before the the japanese oh, guy the that, asian that, yeah that ate so many he was the champion until remember, chestnut but... came along Right. And it, yeah, it was. It's a pretty. They crazy. train. Yeah, they train to like expand their stomachs how can, and like. How do you? But is, they have to work out then too. I mean, how could even that can't get rid of the calories? I don't know how they do it. Uh, it's well, if you only do that, I mean, yeah. How but what about the training times? I don't know. Yeah. Well, maybe they only eat like the intermittent fasting, but to the extreme. <laughs> that cannot be good for you. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't think so.
What is this? What is this story? Elon Musk's dad. Yeah. What is that? <laughs> okay. So Elon Musk, his dad is named Errol. Him, he's 76 years old. And Elon has like several siblings, step siblings, you know, because a family like that, I don't know, they always have issues, right? So talk about issues. Errol uh, Musk, Elon Musk's dad, has two kids with his stepdaughter who he, who's 35 years old. So this is a 40-year age difference. He has two kids with his stepdaughter, whom he raised since she was four. So he has been her stepfather since she was four years old. And now has they just announced that there was a secret second. They already, people knew. Apparently it was known that they had one child. And it was announced that revealed that they had a second child, like, back in 2019 or something and they he did say one of the funny things in here is i heard like they live separately because um he, you know it doesn't so that she can you know live her lifestyle like living with a 75 76 year old man will kind of hinder her life he wants her to be free to live that lifestyle but it, yeah bizarre so what he's saying is he wants to be free of the obligation of the kids that he produced i I don't know. He, so he was married to her mother for 18 years, and he had raised Jana as the daughter since she was four. When the news of her first pregnancy broke in 2018, <laughs> get this, it reportedly caused a bitter rift between Errol and his son Elon, who was furious at his stepfather for impregnating his stepsister. Gee, well, I'll give Elon <laughs> a little credit on that one. Still, you know what? I'm thinking more and more. I don't want this family anywhere near anything that's important. Yeah. He's oh, so on not living together, Errol said that the thing is the thing is, it's not practical. He said her she's thirty five, I think by now she already is thirty five, but she's thirty five her next birthday. So she's getting on. So eventually if I'm still around, she might wind up back with me. It's difficult. So you said this first child though was- They spend a few days oh she come she came to spend a few days with him. And then he said a uh, six months ago, but he said the kids were starting to get on my nerves. You said that uh, this first child was produced in 2018. Yes. So he was 72 years old. I guess so. So there's not, not, I'm sorry, not that much has changed between 72 and 76. No. So if you could do it when you're 72, then. Well, they have another kid. Well, I, I don't mean do it. But as far as living I mean, together? Yeah, I mean? as far as living together. I don't know if they lived together at that time. I'm not really sure. But yeah, I don't know how long they lived together. I also have no idea when the relationship started in regards to his marriage to her mother. Uh, I don't know if there's details, but that's – I don't know how I, how we didn't know about this. How did this just get – Yeah, that's amazing that we didn't know about it until now. Yeah. Maybe it's one of those stories you don't want to know. You don't want to yeah, think Yeah, definitely. I, yeah. I can't necessarily say that I, I, I feel better about the world for knowing that. No. Or feel um, – yeah. On the topic of uh, Elon Musk and all the electric vehicles, EVs, we're, I mean, I wish that people would just wake up and realize what an absolute lie everything that these people in the elite establishment, government, ad, you know, tell us that we've got rolling, telling places, you know, rolling brownouts and blackouts and they, and they want everybody to go buy a diesel or go buy an electric car. Tell me how that's going to work. And not only that, I saw one the other day where they were asking this lady, um, they were making a big promotion of their electric cars. And I think that they had, and anyways, they asked her where the electricity came from that was charging this car set, <clears throat> setting right. there. And she goes, oh, it's coming from the building. <laughs> and she's like, okay, well, where's the building getting? It's, 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 it's a municipal building. So anyways, they end up talking to the guy and he's like, oh yeah, we're like, he said, we're, he goes, we're 80% coal. Just, mm-hmm. I don't get it. You know, and now there's, there was a big article that just came out about um, the solar panels. You know, California bought into them, and now 25, 30 years down the road, there's a big price to be paid because they're reaching the end of their life. They're toxic. They can't be disposed of. They infect the groundwater. They have minerals in them. I mean, it's just on and on and on and on. So you want to talk about your theological? 
Um, sure. All right. Let's talk about, I guess we can talk about. Now, you added this to the notes, but it is from one of the every week at the church I work for. We have three staff members and we all post a video of, uh, we all do like a short devotional video or just something that we read or something that, you know, God pointed something out to us or a story from that we can relate. And so I have posted one from something I read in Second Timothy chapter 2, um, verses 22 to 26, that talks about having nothing to do with foolish uh, or ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. And I talked about how I, you know, understanding like God has given me this compassion for people I disagree with of the idea that they are trapped they're misled they're deceived they have been captured and snared by him to do the devil but to do his will and rather than arguing with them i want to be just like communicating the truth hoping that the holy spirit will work in their heart to free them from those lies that they are believing and you added it to the notes i added the ephesians four fifteen. right is that what your point okay that- yeah well <clears throat> you can't I don't disagree with anything you're saying, but that doesn't mean that as a Christian that you just don't speak the truth. I mean, you have to still be honest. You can't just go along with them knowing that what they're saying is wrong. Um, you're not trying to. You're not trying to quarrel. You're not trying to have a confrontation. But right. I wasn't sure when when you added it on here if you were trying to. I guess I wasn't sure what you meant by putting it on here if you were disagreeing with something I said or trying to. No, my, so I did it's, it's, add a little more. It's not a disagreement. It's just a, it's an amplification that what, what I think that you're saying is, yes, we have to be careful about how we approach it. But that doesn't mean that we simply go along to just get along. Yeah, right. And and I mean, I just read today all of First Peter, and it's very much a letter of these Christians are dispersed living amongst the world and what the world's doing. And he's encouraging them trying to like basically fortify their faith saying like in the face of everything around you do not give into it you need to be different and look different and live holy and um, regardless of what will come on you live different and and he talks a lot more about behavior than he does about words about don't he doesn't tell them to go and insert their beliefs and opinions onto people he just says no you just live different and and it recalled to me that francis the quote attributed to francis of assisi that's preach the gospel um at all times if necessary use words or when necessary use words um but i thought about this because the word coral um i looked at into the greek here and i also just looked into the origins of the english word coral and so in the greek it's it's really the word used as quarrel is like a fight or a combat. So it's like very much, you know, a fisticuffs type thing. Um, and the, the origin of quarrel in English is actually like a, a block of stone. And then it became a reference of like a bolt or an arrow from a crossbow. So to me, it's very much like an attack. Quarrel them with words is like an attack. Yeah, words meant like flinging words intended to do damage. That's not what we're supposed to do, not to like harm. And I think especially because he's telling them that you need to be able, we need to be able to teach people, right, in gentleness and patience. And if you want to teach someone or instruct them or correct them into the truth, you don't want to be fighting or contending or quarreling because then they get defensive and they don't even hear what you're saying. Right. Yeah, I would, I, you said what, exactly what I was thinking is that this is, I'm, I'm sure a lot of this, if you want to be effective in it, is just um, live a godly life, love them, serve them. It's not about words. It's about your actions. Um, right. Because you don't want to just get into a debate because then you just you just polarize and, and fight to make your point. Yeah, you alienate. Right. And, and like you're right. Um, so it's hard. Um but you, yeah, and, and your point about, like, that doesn't mean that you go along to get along. Like, you still need to speak up, like, when, when they ask you, because it actually says, like, they're going to 
revile you for being different. They're going to wonder why you're not doing what they're doing. And I think the reason is because then they realize that it's conviction when they see you're not going. They want you to go along to, to get along. They want you to just conform to them because it like it, it affirms them, what they're right. doing. Right. And just simply by being different, you are not affirming their behavior. And now you're not flinging hate at them, right. but you're you're demonstrating by the way that you live that you don't affirm what they're doing. Unless you're asked a direct question, you probably don't want to give a direct answer. Um, yeah. You're better off if, pe- they've, if people voice an opinion to you, you're better off and you disagree with them, you're better off asking them, just asking more probing questions, thoughtful right, questions yes. about why, why do they believe the way, why do you think that? What is it about right. that? I'm that, learning a lot there, even in this, um, just starting my courses in counseling for Christmas pregnancy counseling and coaching. And then there's some other just counseling courses I want to take too. And this idea that I, um, we're, I'm going to go in, I'm not going to just start attacking someone like, oh, you want an abortion? That's wrong, whatever. Like, I'm never going to bring that up like that. I'm going, like, I want to direct people into, uh, because I, they, I need to make them willing to open up and talk and reveal things so that I can pull out and then point out, hey, can I offer you another perspective? Or I can get to why they, you know, why they're not going to be honest and tell me what's going on so I can't speak into the situation if I don't give them a place where they feel like they can say whatever they want to and be it'll just be listened to. Right. There are reasons that they want to get an abortion. It's not about right. just having the abortion. Did you, did you see? Um, right. And so I want to address that and then hopefully direct them towards the better option. I saw. And how 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 to teach, coach people into it rather than right. we're not there, we're not helping or we're not um we're not doing it for them. When people come to their own conclusions, it's infinitely more powerful than having yeah. their conclusion given to them. So I saw a, a segment on NBC News where they were talking to two girls who were saying that young women who were saying that they had decided to get sterilized because of the overturning of Roe. This is now becoming a response to the overturning of Roe. And there is the, you know. Do they do not understand the repercussions of that decision? No. And they're like 25, 26 years old. Yeah. What I don't. First of all, they still need to. So that means you wouldn't have, like, if you get. A, they're gonna, what? Is it. Well, if you have a hysterectomy. I was going to say, if you have a hysterectomy. You, you because been, if you're not having a cycle. Yeah. You are. They're going to. Osteoporosis. Deal with osteoporosis. Right. Yeah. Um. My thought, you know, kind of my sarcastic thought was, oh, well, evolutionarily speaking, thank God, that's good. Well, I You're mean, not gonna... but I'm, I'm going to say, time... yeah, it's better, it's, it's better to me for, than them having an abortion um, or multiple abortions. But, but it goes to I, what they, we were just talking about. They don't about. understand the trauma right. that they are going to put, inflict on themselves later on in life. It's, it's just what we were talking about. Why, 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 why do you think that this is such a good so idea? So strongly, yes. That, you yeah. know, there aren't there other ways of dealing with this? I mean, as much as I think, oh, good, well, you're not going to reproduce. If you're that stupid, that's probably a good thing. But at the same time, why are, why are you <laughs> – I'll ask a probing question. Why are you that stupid? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> why, why, why do you feel so strongly about that? What's going on in you and what are you taking into your life that's making you – and what's your understanding that's caused you to have such a severe – you know, response to We've this. We've just done people such an injustice in getting away from like proper sexuality as it was designed to be. Uh, and yeah, it's just certainly the fact that in some churches and places it's like taboo to even talk about. That doesn't help. That actually makes it like having honest, just open conversations about it would be so much better and healthier. And right. then it has to be this thing that is, yeah. The fact that, you know, and I understand that you have to be cautious in the way that you go about doing these things, but when you make it, you know, church has kind of taught that sex is something dirty, rotten, and nasty that you say for the person you love the most, which is just absurd. doesn't really seem to make sense. Exactly. I think about the uh, Israelites in the desert, you got like four, five, six million of them out there roaming around in the desert, living in tents, a couple feet apart. Uh, I got news for you. Tents don't keep sounds down at all. <laughs> you can hear what's going on in the next tents. 
I don't think it was a big deal. It was just a part of normal. They understood this is just normal humanity. Um, and it wasn't something that was, it's when you try to make it this other thing where we've hyper, you know, eroticized it, that it, and, and then you tell people that, you know, um, you know, you won't talk about it and, and all those kind of things. It just, it's like the whole wet paint don't touch. That sign makes you have to touch the paint when it tells you not to do it. It's kind of that, you know, that effect. But um, anyways, it's, yeah, and I can think of, you can probably go out and just be about 98, 99% sure that you're not going to get pregnant using contraception. Right. But is it really necessary also, for that one last 1%? Some of them believe, like some young people that get themselves into crisis pregnancy situations do so because they they believe that contraception or condoms, whatever, protection, right, will, it will be foolproof. And it, it is not foolproof. If you take the proper dosage and, and of th- birth so we need control to be- pill, you, it's, it's not – no, it's not 100%, but it's like 98%. Right, it's near it. Yeah. Right. But they need to understand that too. And that's another reason to just wait and save it for the design that it's supposed to be. And and it's because there's such a – like it's for your own – okay. So the doctor that taught one of, the, one of the modules in this course that talks about sexuality and biblical sexuality um, shares that he is – met with people counsel people who are like sex addicted and he said he has cl- has spoken with people and clients who have had literally thousands he said people someone with like 3000 sexual partners i can't even fathom that and they say that it was never enough and the question is because what are you and asking them what are you looking for what were you hoping to get out of that relationship or your sexuality and there's a reason that then it doesn't give you that right. and if you look at it as a biological thing, yeah, it's never enough because it um, – this was interesting. So at the front end of like arousal and um, and bonding, that your brain releases like the neurochemicals that mirror – basically like, that would be like cocaine-like or marijuana-like. And at the back end of a sexual experience um, at like orgasm, it's heroin-like. And so – and and all those things though are – temporary from the biological component so there's no such thing as enough you can never have enough sex to be satisfied the only satisfying kind of sexual relationship to give you what you're looking for is one in a marriage covenant because even when you say like oh if i have sex you know every with my spouse you know if you have a like oh we we do every day every other day every however many you know ever so often like it'll be enough but it won't be but it's when you can know that you have that person that that spiritual and like um, relational connection that it's satisfying because okay maybe something you know life gets busy whatever and we go longer than normal but I know I have the person there I know like I'm secure in the relationship and that it is there I don't have to look go I don't have to feel this like sexual tension this is really for men right they like this I need this release now um I know if I can't get it now because you know, whatever, my wife is really doesn't want it right now and I'm going to respect it, like, or she's going through something. I know that she's still there. You know, I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. It's it's what I've said, and I've put it in slightly different terms, but it, it's saying exactly the, the same thing. Um, it's, you know, I've been married 37 years. Um, it's never enough. Uh, that's not That's not what makes it enough, where you said, I'm satisfied I'm secure. It's okay that I don't have the physical releases and the chemicals and all that that goes along with it. What makes it enough, and this is what I, 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 I believe this so strongly, everybody wants at least one person in their life that loves them just because they're them. Hmm. For no other reason. You just love me because I'm me. That's what makes you... That's what gives you the sense of security and satisfaction that we're yeah. all looking for that you don't get from the physical 
temporary release of sex. But if I don't get that sex, but I know that my wife simply loves me, I don't have to do anything, I don't have to be anything, she just loves me because I'm me, then I don't have to have the physical stimulation of sex right now. But to take that even further, that kind of love, even in a marriage, the way that our culture treats marriage is so, yeah, that only happens in a covenantal relation type marriage, a marriage that you invite God into and you say, we're making a covenant pact that I love you. It's as a choice and feelings come and go. Sometimes I'll be stronger. Sometimes I'll be annoyed with you, but I love you. But you you have to be able to demonstrate that. You can't just feel it within yourself. You have to portray it. You have to demonstrate to the other person. They have to know that. And I would say there's probably, there are plenty of people that would love to love other people in that manner, but because of our societal upbringing, the way we're taught and conditioned and all those things as our overall course of our lifetime, it makes it nearly impossible for anybody to love another person that way. Or they don't even know how. They don't have the capacity and you can only love other people that way when you understand it for yourself and you understand the way that God loves you. And before you understand that, you can't then convey that and offer that to someone else. Exactly. And now I'm going to take this into another area. We uh, have the experience. I posted, I thought about this. I posted a picture of my two beautiful granddaughters on the beach in Florida in their little white dresses. That is definitely my phone background And I thought to myself... And they left me, that's what they've got, and they left me the dog, okay? So <laughs> we've got the dog. I've believed this for a long time, and I believe this is true, and it goes right in line with what we're saying. The reason people, not the only reason, pets are nice, they're cute, they're cuddly, all that. Right. People yes. love pets because they can project onto them exactly what you and yeah. I are talking about. This idea You're that right. that that they love me unconditionally and I can give them my love without ever worried about being hurt because you can be a serial killer and your dog will love you. If you come home at the end of the day and you're nice to that dog, you can just have, you know, just gutted three people and they will lick you and they'll wag their tail and they'll jump all over you and they'll love you. And that's why people like pets. Right. And people even say that. They say like, oh, my dog, because my dog's always there and they'll always love me. And but I've never you project, you can project your love upon them safely. Right. And that honestly makes sense. The reason that we're not really dog or pet people like I'm not anti pet, but I'm I'm not like a pet person because I don't I don't understand what it offers me because I don't need that because I have that. I told mom that um, I would when you talk about a vacation, there's nowhere I can go or nothing I can do that would make me more happy, satisfied, relaxed than simply having her around me, knowing that she just loves me in the way that we just described. Because we're not really vacation people either. I mean, no, I... (laughs) I want that sense of I want that sense of well being and satisfaction. Yes. That's what and right. to I have my family around me that way. That that's, I need filled. Yeah, that's that's there's nothing that's gonna to top that. Yeah, I don't have holes that I'm looking to be filled, that I'm seeking some kind of solution yeah. for. I am scrolling. Mara Flores' Twitter to find that tweet that I can so I can put the link. And Newsmax, she retweeted a Newsmax tweet that said that House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's spokesperson took a took to social media Monday to defend the lawmaker elbowing um, the congresswoman's daughter. And the quote on the photo says, uh, it's Nancy Pelosi's spokeswoman or spokesman. And the quote says, Speaker elbowed Representative Flores' daughter to be helpful. Really? Is there an explanation of how that's helpful? I'm sure if you read the story, there's more, but... <laughs> I'm just trying to toughen her up a little bit. It's what it's like here in Washington. 